welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Lovely welcome. It was almost, I love the way uh, I get introduced and uh, it's like you've never heard of me before or it's, or it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> and uh, it's like, and this person coming up and they're like, who is it? Oh, it's only the pastor. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, not like we heard him before. And uh, so, but uh, I'm just, um, who just loved worship this morning? Wasn't that so powerful? Isn't it wonderful to get into the presence of God and, and see God do such amazing things? And um, uh, yeah, it's just so wonderful. Anthea, um, Cheryl and I were at the cinema. Where's Anthea? She, she disappears. She, oh, there she is. So um, she floated off and uh, <laughs> floating back. And uh, so um, we were at the cinema the other day and we were watching an advert. And I am convinced on that advert was you for Aberdeen University. It was you, wasn't it? it uh, I went to show her, that was Anthea. And she's sitting on a bus and uh, just driving past, I think it was the, um, the Aberdeen Uni, yeah, the, the new university, the old university building. And uh, so she's sitting on a bus and it was like, I've never seen a bus journey look glamorous before. And... Uh, <laughs> And there's Anthea just shining away, and it made it look like, oh, I want to go to university. (laughs) (laughs) So wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, Can I just say that um, I really encourage you to be a part of Prayer House. Prayer House is is a whole new way of ministry and prayer and finding the presence of God. And when I mean by new, right, there's nothing new, right? There's only really new under the sun. There's, um, but the format and the, the, the structure, the vision that God has given us really is to create this beautiful safe place where people can come into the presence of God, worship, and meet with the king who changes and heals and yeah. restores and yeah. delivers. And meet with his presence. I, I want the church to grow familiar, not in a... Not in that careless way, not that, that kind of familiarity, but the type of familiarity you would have with God that you may have with your spouse in, in that manner that would be careful. And you know the way husbands and wives, you know the way that you would be romantically with each other. There is a, there's a sensitivity, a carefulness, a, a, a rhythm of just being that sensitive, gentle, beautiful nature that you are together. That's what highlights creates keeps the marriage so wonderful so alive yet most people when coming into the presence of God fail to understand that kind of familiarity that intimacy that that beauty of just knowing him and uh, and I want you to know that that his presence changes lives but his presence can heal and touch and change and deliver and and set free can bring about an extraordinary move in your heart and, and a move that changes a city, changes a nation. See, see, if God can change a man, he can change a city. Yeah, come on. And, and that, see, that's all he needs. Um, over the years, many people have asked us this, this, um, this question. We've spoken at many conferences for pastors and leaders. Um, how, how, do you, how do you plant churches? Uh, and we've planted, we've, it's not like we've planted hundreds of churches, but we've planted a few churches and, and how, how do you plant churches? And they, they want the structure. You do A, B, C, and D. And, 
And, and over the years, I've seen literally hundreds of churches planted with, with uh, people I know and, and, and uh, those that we've been involved in and people we've raised up. And, and, and to be honest with you, the stra- as long as you've got a strategy, right, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't really matter. It matters just as long as you've got one. But it's not the strategy. It's who you are on the inside. Pastor Ashley, when he trained me and Cheryl, he just said all I need is a man and woman whose heart is turned towards the the presence of God. And and if I can raise up people who know the ways and the presence of God, you can have a move of God. Mm. And and supposing we can raise a generation of people within this city that will know the ways and the presence of God. And, And to know the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. To be familiar with his presence, touching, changing, restoring. Supposing your life is gripped by fear and and you come to church and you love his presence, but fear stops you from singing, fear stops you from praying, fear stops you from taking steps of faith. I want you to know that time in the presence of the Lord will slowly break down the barriers of fear that build up around your heart and around your life. They become like stronghold. Fear becomes like a stronghold. It it becomes like a barrier um, which, which... restricts the movement and your ability to reach out but time in his presence breaks and cracks those strongholds and 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 takes away that um takes away that restriction and gives you the ability to step out and and do things you've never done before and 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 it's simply by spending time in his presence and and so the 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 prayer house format is is a very simple very beautiful environment where we worship and we um, we we just come into his presence and we pray uh, and it's an it's an hour long service but technically it is but we find that once you once the presence of God is there around your heart it's very difficult to 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 move away and and we found that from um, from children right through um, to the elderly. I use that word carefully, <laughs> not looking, just looking above everyone and uh, uh, the. Um, that people are people are being so powerfully impacted. There's an incredible, mm. there's an in, incredible reverence and 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 wonder in with his presence at the end of the meeting. And there's there's often just a beautiful quietness, a gentleness of spirit that touches uh, that it, that is moving. And and I feel like God has led us into into this place in in a, in a way that caught me by surprise. Um, I've said this before at, at Wednesday night prayer meetings that we have in the church once a month. By the way, um, to have a monthly prayer meeting is nowhere near sufficient for your life. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're never going to, that's like eating once a month and trying to put weight on. It's just not going to work, is it? You're, you're just going to become mal, uh, malnourished. malnourished. And, and uh, you, you need to understand that to, to, to pray is something you, you need to do on your own. You've got to be able to pray every day. But to pray corporately is the most wonderful, wonderful um, joy because the momentum and the movement of the prayers that are around you lift you quickly. Um, it, it's like, you know, when you put the tap on in the bath and wait for the bath to fill, it can sometimes, you're looking and going, oh, come on. <laughs> if you like having a bath, I like a bath. Who likes a bath in this place? There's a few people. Some people are like, I, did, I know when I travel around Europe, many people go, oh, that's disgusting. Why do you want to sit in your own filthy water for? And, and uh, I'm like, you have never had a bath. <laughs> just sit in hot water and just let it soak. And, and uh, so 
but if you've got a lot of taps, the water fills quickly and, and, and you're, you're, that, that momentum. Uh, and so corporate prayer provides an incredible momentum. Our Wednesday night prayer meetings are much more business-like and, and um, it's a place um, where we encourage everyone to come and pray. But, um, but, but if you want an introduction and prayer and to grow in confidence, your Sunday night prayer house is the place where you, you will grow and you will learn and, and you'll come into the presence of God where the prophetic words, where prayer and, and ministry, praying for one another happens um, so sensitively, so, so, so beautifully that you, you barely even notice the shift from, from prayer and to worship to being prayed for uh, and back into prayer again. It's, um, yeah, it, 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 I just really encourage you to be in that environment because it will change your life and uh, I really believe that God is um, enabling us to, to, to raise up this ministry so that we can use it to make an impact across this nation. Amen. A um, few years ago, uh, Cheryl and I had a holiday in, in Turkey. It was our first time we'd been in Turkey uh, and uh, we had this holiday that um, involved, we've, we've always hired cars, and, and in the old days before sat-navs, there was always this tension about how you get from the airport to the place where you've got a list of instructions on how to get there. How many of you uh, remember the days when you didn't have a sat-nav, but you, you had a map and you had a list of instructions and you were constantly, you're trying to tick them off, right? When you get to the roundabout with the big building uh, on the left-hand side, you take the third exit and you continue for one and a half miles. You're not really sure whether you've gone one and a half miles or not, or, or is that the building on the right-hand side or not? Is, it, is that how I imagined it to be? Because you read the instructions, but... But what you're imagining in, in your head may be different to what the instructions mean. Mm-hmm. And, and you realize there and then how difficult communication is and the transference of, of information uh, so that people understand what you're talking about. And, and uh, when we arrived in Turkey, we, we had all of those troubles. We were, we were at least two hours away from the airport. And eventually we found our way to where we were staying, which is quite a remote place. And, and from there, we, we had two weeks of just exploring um, Turkey, and, and but we the maps we had were dubious, I would say, uh, to say the least. And so we, we discovered that while driving around that the map we were using wasn't exactly that accurate. It, was, um, it, it described roads that simply weren't there or they went in directions that on the map that didn't when you were in the car. And uh, so we then went around and I saw when we was at, at a, a town um, down by the coast uh, and uh, this marketplace, there was other maps and I bought another map thinking oh, this would be better. So now I had two maps with two completely different road systems on them for the same place and neither of them matched the actual roads we were driving on. So we had both sets of maps open, plus the road in front of us, uh, and plus stopping at every junction and and trying to ask uh, Turkish-speaking-only people how to get to the beach uh, and and working out kilometres and and numbers by using your fingers and and, uh, pointing in that direction. And uh, and then when they said something you didn't understand, yes, yes, fine, go. (laughs) And... uh, you know, what I've discovered is this, is that um, life is often very much like the navigation of trying to find 
the presence of God and the spirit of the Lord and how to, we, we, we have a map that's set out in our heart and mind and that map is framed around um, um, the word of God but it's also framed our, our interpretation of it. Yes. And our interpretation of it can, can point you generally in the right direction, but, but can shift you one way or another. And, and you meet someone else, and their interpretation has got a slightly different shift on it. And between you, you can generally work out where you're going, but you're all creating these little maps of trying to find your way, whereas God's word is true to, to, to direction, but trying to find yourself in that process is the challenge, is it not? And, and there is such a, such a challenge in the journey that we have. We're trying to find God's presence and understand his will and his ways for our life, trying to make sense of the chaos of everyday life around us. I, I wonder if we might go uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You see, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord, there is Freedom, or there is a place to breathe. There is a place to, so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a place to kind of reflect, and, and that is the question. So, where the Spirit of the Lord is. So, the question then comes is, where is, where is He? Because you can be born again, spirit filled, tongue talking, miracle witnessing. Soul-reaching believer, and still struggle to find his presence in the chaos of your present circumstances and the pressure of everyday life. Are you with me here? And so, there it doesn't matter what your spiritual experience is, the weight of your theological knowledge and training. It shifts nothing in, in, within your heart. You can still struggle to go through those places. And I want us to understand how it is to find his presence in the everyday. How it is to hang on and find the breath of the spirit of God that breathes over us so that we might walk in his presence. We, we, we have been preaching pretty much the same message for the last four weeks here, just from a different theme, and we will continue to do so. And there are some very familiar scriptures that we keep coming to, because I reckon it takes, actually, I reckon it takes a good year to preach the same message before we really get it. And, <laughs> and uh, so we're going to keep doing this as long as we can. And, and um, I'm going to read to you a, a scripture that's normally reserved for Christmas. Is that all right? It's um, after there are only 19 Sundays left. So <laughs> we're counting them down next week. It's 18. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm going I'm to read to you about the story of Zacharias, Luke chapter 1. 
And verse 5, just imagine the shepherds and the tinsel and the thing on the stage. Imagine this is Christmas Eve. There were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years so it was that while they, he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division according to the custom of the priesthood his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall neither drink um, shall drink neither wine nor strong uh, strong drink he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he'll also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord that's quite a word to get from God isn't it I mean this is a beautiful response from Zacharias. He said, and Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. How can I know this? Think about this moment, right? Because we all kind of feel like that we would be the ones who would be full of great faith. And, you know, prophetic words are often very difficult to receive even when you're asking for them. And they're difficult to receive because they're always counteracting the experience and the momentum of what's happening around you. And that has to be the case because the momentum of everything that's going around us is the direction of this world which is is influenced by the secular powers and and the demonic influences which is trying to take people away from God. So we experience that momentum all the time. And here is... Here is Zacharias, and Zacharias has been praying for a son or a child, him and Elizabeth, but now they're well advanced in years, and they have been praying, and they have prayed, and the Bible says they were righteous, so in all their years of praying, they remained righteous before the Lord. They were good people, a great heart, type of people you would want ministering in the house. And, and he would, if this were today, he would be one of our um, pastors in, in, on the church leadership platform. He would be one of the great leaders of the house, a, a wise head and someone to speak to when you're going through difficult times. And, and just one of these, an elderly couple who, who you would just love to spend time with and, and just talk to over, over, um, over a great meal and, and hear their stories and experience. This is Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. And, and here he is, But what catches him out is the fact that he's been praying for so many years 
that he stopped looking for the answer and just got into the habit of the prayer. He stopped looking. In effect, he stopped believing. So what happens is this. He he comes to this place and, and he says, how can this be? Now, think about this. This is Zacharias. They take lots. There's a 1 in 1,350 chance he was going to pull the lot to burn the incense in that season. He's got a 1 in 1. Okay, it's a better chance of doing that than winning the lottery. I appreciate that. But it's still kind of like the odds were not in his favor. And yet he's the one that is now in the presence of the Lord. Now he's in there. For the first time in 400 years, an angel turns up and gives him the most extraordinary word about a prayer that he's already prayed many years ago. And Zacharias' response is, how can I be sure? (laughs) An extraordinary moment, isn't it? How can I be sure that, that, that you're going to do this? Why was his response so doubtful? His response was was doubting because simply he had given up believing and seeing. He had looked at all his natural circumstances and said, it's enough now. I've got to let this be. I'm just going to serve God. I'm going to be faithful. I don't understand why God hasn't answered my prayer, but I'm just going to keep loving Jesus. And well, (laughs) I'm going to keep loving God and and I'm just going to keep doing that. But I found that there are many people in church that over the years that here's the trouble. And and this is a warning for you young ones. And this is a this is um, everyone who's much older. Well, the, the older you are, the more you understand this, that, that the things you've prayed for and believed for that haven't come about, in the end, you make a decision. I'm just going to keep going to church. I, I'm going to keep singing because I'm going to keep worshipping because I know that this life is, is short in, in measure to eternity. So I'm going to keep my heart right. But my faith believing for the thing that I believe for, I'm just going to let that go because I don't want it hurting me anymore. I don't want it troubling me anymore that it hasn't come to pass. So I'm letting it go. And at that moment in time, we become unable to receive even the most encouraging work. Have you ever found yourself just disappointed then someone comes along gives you an encouraging word and there's nothing more annoying than an encouraging word when you're feeling like in a bad mood because <laughs> you want vindicating for the bad attitude that you've got but you can't get one because God's coming along and just say I just think you're amazing and you don't want to be told you're amazing you want to be told that it's all gone wrong because that's what you feel like it has So Zacharias is is receiving from God. And here's the amazing miracle. Zacharias is faithful to the Lord, but he's not in faith. He's faithful to the Lord, but he's not in faith. Abraham was exactly the same. When Abraham was 75 years old, he, he, he got to a place. He's probably at the peak of his power. He, he, um, uh, he had just had a battle uh, against uh, uh, a number of kings. Uh, Lot, his, uh, 
Nephew had been taken hostage and he had taken 300 men, armed men. That means that Abraham probably had, he probably had over a thousand people under his care. Because he's got 300 armed, trained men. Those have wives, they have children. So he's got, and he's got all of that. See, Abraham is, a, is at the peak of his uh, wealth. And he goes out and he wins an extraordinary battle. He brings back Lot. He, he, he wins um, all this sort of great wealth, which he then gives back because it's unrighteous wealth. That he doesn't want anything to do with it. Uh, and then Melchizedek comes out. Melchizedek is a type of Christ. And Melchizedek, uh, and, who was a king and a priest, um, all at the same time. And Melchizedek comes and uh, gives him um, bread and wine, which is a sign of the, the covenant of Christ. And, and, and Abraham, in response to that, tithes to uh, Melchizedek uh, everything that he has got, which is why your tithe is an important response of your heart not a response of the law. I just want you to understand that. Your tithe isn't a legal requirement. It's a heart response. And, and so the tithe, he tithes to Melchizedek. And he, and he, and he tithes to him. And, and then at the end of that, the Lord then says, after all of that, the Lord then says, uh, Abraham, do not be afraid. Genesis 15, he says, do not be afraid for I am your shield and I am your great reward. I'm the abundance of your life. And, and, and Abraham's response is, is, is kind of, well, if that's the case, then, you know, how come what I, everything I own, I've got no inheritance. It goes to one who was born in my house, a servant of the house. And, 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 the, and the Lord says to Abraham, um, he will not be the inheritor of everything you have. And he takes him outside. He shows him the stars of the sky. And he says to him, so sh- your descendants shall be as the stars of it. You will have a, uh, a son and your descendants will be like the stars of the sky. And it says of Ab- Abraham, it says, and he believed the Lord and it was credited to him for righteousness. So Abraham has a moment. I've noticed this about following God. Those moments are critical points which we feel like we lose when we move on from them. Abraham waits another 25 years. And in those 25 years, the Bible says he was always full of faith. Doesn't it? In, in, Genesis, in, in, in Hebrews, it says that Abraham never, uh, Abraham never doubted. That he was full of faith. But when you read Genesis, you find that Abraham was full of doubt. He was full of doubt. So who's right? Well, here you see what it means is that you see Abraham's faith at that moment and Zachariah's faith when he prayed or a prayer was the faith that brought the response and and everything else that happened after that was irrelevant because when faith is birthed out of your spirit, when you have faith, it is part of God's eternal promise and nature to bring it to pass and your faith never dies even if your heart begins to shrink and shrivel under the weight of your current circumstances. So faith is never 
taken away from you. You feel like you don't have faith. And maybe you say, I've lost my faith. No, that's not true. You can't lose your faith. You can lose the experience of faith. But you can't lose faith because faith is righteousness to the Lord and it becomes the measure by which God sees you and the measure by which the Lord will respond to you. And so when you lose your faith, it is irrelevant. You can't, you see many people feel like, if I lose my faith, then I'm now going to miss out on what God has got for me. There are many wanderings in a heart. Our maps are not very good at bringing us into a place of location. We, we find ourselves going down roads that, that we created, but it's not actually right there. The, the word of the Lord is a straight path. But we do this, don't we not? And we find ourselves wandering in the wrong direction going, I lost my way. But I need you to understand that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, your faith will bring you home because your faith is always righteous. Your faith is righteousness before the Lord. And faith in Jesus Christ will bring it back because faith in God never dies. And you must see this in Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's put, the, let's put it on the, on the flip side. See, faith is what pleases him, because faith is righteousness. And righteousness is part of the eternal nature of God. So Cheryl read um, this morning, um, I just quickly wrote it down. In Psalm 119 verse 60, every, every one of his righteous decrees is everlasting. See, faith is part of his righteous decree. Yeah. And how do we enter into the presence of God? By faith. Your faith is what makes you righteous. Not your actions, not your good deeds or your bad deeds, not the doubt, because at the end of the day, the doubts of your mind and the, 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 the thoughts that go through your head on a daily basis would discount all of us, right? At some degree, there's anger, there's jealousy, there's fear. Fear is probably the number one issue more than anything else. There's all sorts of different thought processes to go through, questions we have about the Lord. But those are not the measures by our righteousness. Our righteousness is determined by our faith. Yes, Lord, I believe in you. It's a childlike faith. Mark chapter 10 says this. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. He took them up in his arms. This is the children. He laid them in his, he's laid hands on them and blessed them. And we often speak about this scripture about having childlike faith. And we speak it of in terms of like a child. You have a little child. You tell them something. They believe you. And we think that that's childlike faith. And while that part of the nature is true, but what makes a child so pure is not their simplicity of heart and the simple believing of their words. It's their hope, which is unfettered 
by the doubts and experiences of the world around them. They have a pure hope because they believe for something good in the future. They, that's, that's the nature of a child's faith, their vision and hope for it. I remember when Cheryl and I came out to plant this church, we, we only saw God doing good things and we never anticipated in our mind anything bad happening. Are you with me here? That was our faith. 20 years later, we have a very mixed story (laughs) of which there has been much heartache, but the nature of the Lord is to respond to our faith. There's been many doubts, many wonders going, did we do the right thing? Did we? I don't know. (laughs) Have you ever done that? If you haven't, you should be up here. (laughs) Did I do the right thing? Was this right? Was that right? Moments. You wake up in the middle of the night. Is this going to work? Doubting, wondering. But your faith, your faith is childlike. Because your faith is what believes, unfettered, by the doubts of this world. Yes, Lord, I believe. You know, Chaz read this scripture last week. In fact, I read it, I believe, the week before or the week before that. Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, the Lord, we can find the Lord by replacing the the weight of our own burdens with the yoke and the burden of the Lord. How do we do that? That's the question. How do I do that transfer? You know that moment that you believed that was a while ago now. Maybe it was a few weeks, a few months. Maybe it was some years ago when you really believed. And you believed and it settled in your heart. But since then, you've tried walking the journey and you've been faithful in the journey, but you've struggled with the believing because you haven't seen the results. You know that moment then? That's when it was easy. That's the moment you replace in your heart. And you set it out because that's the faith place. That's the righteous place. Where is the Lord? He's where your faith was. He's where your faith is. That's where he is. How how do we know where the spirit of freedom is? It's where our faith is. Where is our faith? It's with the statement of belief that we declare before the Lord. We may have it fresh with us now. Or we may have left it behind a while ago. We may have picked it up and put it down and picked it up and put it down. But along the way, we have a history and a record of God's righteousness settling on our hearts as we have believed him. That's where he is. And that is what will enable us to find his spirit. Let's all stand up, shall we?
Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.